Welcome back, guys, to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show podcast. Thanks for joining me as always. Um, be sure and send in your questions. Give me some stuff to talk about. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, email, website, all the all the good stuff. I try to respond, but uh, I definitely see most of everything and take notes on various topics to talk about. Uh, this episode, we'll get a little more into some self-defense, carry gun type stuff, a little more than normal, and then got a shooting question uh, towards the end. A couple of things I wanted to hit on. Uh, if you know, Hopefully you're listening to my podcast. Uh, obviously you are now. But there's a lot of other good ones out there, and I listen to uh, quite a few podcasts. As, as you know, I've got a long, relatively long drive to and from work each day, so it kind of gives me something to listen to instead of the boring radio. But uh, Mike Seeklander on his American Warrior podcast did a, an interview with Brian Enos. Uh, I think it was recently. I don't know. I didn't look at the date. I've, I keep a bunch of them stored and then listen to them when I get around to it. Uh, so I'm not sure how recently it was, but uh, I thought it was really good. If you know, you're not familiar with Brian Enos, if you're a relatively new shooter or new competitive shooter, you may not be. But he was a you know, great shooter back in the day, as they say, and the Rob Lay the Mara, and um, just kind of gave up on it and decided he was done with it and really just dropped off. But he runs the Enos website, which you may have heard of. The, the forums there used to be the go-to area for shooting information before social media took over the world. And he's got a, a great book out, which is really hard to read. Maybe that's because I'm not that smart, but uh, if you're... You know, relatively new into shooting, I wouldn't bother with his book because you're not going to know what the hell he's talking about. Uh, and the podcast kind of got me interested in, in rereading that book. It's been a long time. But smart smart guy, kind of zenish, uh, hippie-ish maybe, free-thinking kind of dude. But, you know, if you if you know what's going on in shooting and you've been shooting for a while, it's definitely a worthwhile a worthwhile listen. It sparked some some things I haven't thought about in a while and just kind of reminds you of little things you need to do so that was a good one and then uh, Arik Levy on the Firearms Nation podcast had Casey uh, Eusebio on recently and that was a good one too Uh, I've known Casey forever as a friend of mine and uh, I kind of knew his story but not to the extent that he explained it and not to uh, not to demoralize anybody but it kind of gives you an idea what you're up against Um, you know everybody can get better Uh, everybody can get a lot better you know, but he started when he was seven or eight, nine years old, and was competing at the you know championship level at the age of nine or ten, you know, top sixteen in in world matches, um, and that was back when there wasn't twenty-seven thousand divisions like there are now, so the competition wasn't diluted. You know, you're going up going up against everybody, and he was running up against you know running with those guys at uh, nine, ten, eleven years old, and that was whatever 20 years ago or something I think he just recently turned 30 Uh, so that's you know not to demoralize you like I said but it's tough to compete against man it takes um, it takes a long time a lot of hours and a lot of effort to get good at shooting in general and then to get good at the games for sure and we've talked about this before with the outliers book and you know there's a lot of avenues you can look at that just prove the same thing over and over Um, but it was it was good it was a good podcast uh, good insight and uh, worth worth a listen as well. Uh, I mentioned before the the Sig, the new Sig P365. I got 
Uh, I've had it for a while now, and uh, man, I'm super happy with it still. I've been carrying it for two, three weeks now, I think. I uh, actually got another one, so I've got a couple. And it's a, a great shooting gun. The trigger and the, the sights out of the box are pretty much fantastic. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people that can improve upon the trigger, you know, but for a carry gun, I'm not big on, on messing with the triggers anyway, and it's plenty, it's plenty light. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, plenty good for, for a carry gun. I did an article, I've written some articles for a, I think it's just an online magazine, but it's called Tactics and Preparedness, and I've covered a few topics, but I, they'd asked me to do one on long-range carry gun uh, techniques or abilities or something I forget the exact title and that was not too long after I'd picked that up so I went out and did some you know 25 30 yard groups and then some distance at speed and um, you know the gun performed as good as I could uh, so I've been happy with it I ended up going with a, a Red Hill tactical holster which is real nice I don't, I don't think they were big into the concealment game into the especially inside the waistband type stuff they're more of a outside the waistband, competitive setup, Kydex uh, type of company. But we carry their products in our store, and he had mentioned if I was interested, and uh, so I said sure, and I've uh, been really happy with it. It's uh, got a, I don't know, suede material, sticky kind of thing on the outside. So it works great. I've, you know, most of the time I'm carrying with, you know, cargo shorts or Under Armour style shorts with no belt, which probably wouldn't recommend but screw it that's what I do and that that suede type material you know on top of the clip that they have but that clip's really made to grab a belt uh, that suede type material really sticks it nice in your pants and uh, I've been real happy with it I shot one of our DPL matches our defensive pistol league matches last month and we got another one tomorrow so I'll get another another run at it tomorrow it's nice to to get it in, in use out there in some type of a competitive environment and push the speed and the draw stroke and and things like that so been really happy with it 10 rounds plus one of nine millimeter is definitely a step up I'm, I'm not a guy that chases the latest and greatest quite the opposite actually I like to find something that works and and stay with it and I've pretty much done that I've you guys heard me talk about it but most recently I've been on the Glock 42 for a number of years I'm not exactly sure when I started but it's been a while um, and I wouldn't have switched you know even even the 43, I never switched because you're not really gaining a lot. You're you're moving from 380 to 9, but you're not gaining any capacity. But this one certainly made a difference. Now you're you know going up 40% or so in capacity uh, and moving up in caliber. So that was pretty much a no-brainer. And uh, the price point is fair. I mean, I think it's like 600 bucks or something uh, when you don't have to mess with the trigger or mess with the sights. You know, that's uh, on par with the other popular carry guns and. I think it's going to squash uh, the Glock and the, the Smith little carry guys until they until they catch up. Uh, so I'll report down the road if anything changes, but that's the new carry gun, and I've been been super happy with it. Uh, no uh, no complaints at all, really, thus far. So on that note, as I've talked about before, I pretty much don't go anywhere without carrying a gun, and that's a personal decision. You know, those of you that don't want to carry, that's totally fine. It's a big responsibility. Uh, morally and ethically and uh, definitely not something to be taken lightly but I've been carrying for many many years and really the only places I go if I'm going for a run I don't carry um, 
you know, if I'm going to somewhere that has a metal detector on an airline or a courthouse or something, which is pretty rare. Um, that's about it, man. That's, uh, other than that, I'm pretty much carrying a gun. But there's been a couple of instances here in, in uh, the area, southeast anyway, a couple of them in Florida that I wanted to hit on uh, just to spark some knowledge. A lot of it is, you know, just I call it war gaming in your head and, you know, thinking about different scenarios that could happen how would you react and it's better to have thought through some things ahead of time before you're in the moment and trying to make decisions uh, at that point so there was a lady that was killed by an alligator in florida this year i was in south florida south of us uh, down towards miami area and obviously nobody knows for sure but uh, exactly how or, or what happened but she was walking her dogs down by the lake and I don't know how I, mean, I don't know how long she lived in Florida, but you know every body of water in Florida has an alligator in it. And there's very few killings or you know attacks throughout the year. I think they've said 25 or something in the last 50 years or more. Um, you know more bites than that, but in terms of actually killing people, there was obviously that deal in in Disney last year, year before last, with a kid, uh, which, which was a sad story. But, but this lady was walking her dogs down by the down by a lake and some guy saw her walking her dogs and then next time he looks over there's two dogs and no lady and he called it in and they did a search and and found a 12 plus foot alligator uh, her arm was inside of it and then they later found the body and then one of her dogs was bit as well so who knows what happened you know i can envision the gator probably because they were little football dogs so I can envision the gator probably came after the dog and you know either bit it or was just coming after it and she probably jumped in to, to stop it somehow and uh, lost her life so you know you're not stopping a 12 foot alligator and I, I live on a small lake we've got haven't seen any 12 footers but I've seen some some really really big alligators in there uh, you know 10 10 or more and then out at the range, you know, we see them. I see them all the time out there. Usually not that big, but uh, and they're not super aggressive. I've, I've I've never had one be aggressive towards me, but I don't walk small dogs down by the water either. So it's just an instance of, you know, concealed carry and self-defense is not always against people. We're always thinking about the the zombie apocalypse and the the uh, commies jumping in like Red Dawn and home invasions and that type of stuff but there are a lot of other instances where you know it's not legal to to kill gators in florida for the for the fun of it but you know if if i was walking a dog and it's coming after my dog that's you know that's certainly grounds to to defend yourself or to defend your dog and and um you know a little bit of situational awareness maybe maybe she saw it coming maybe she didn't maybe she was walking too close to the water not paying attention i mean you could normally see gators from pretty far away Unless they're literally, you know, on, on the ambush mode and, and coming up out of the water. And nobody will ever know what happened in this scenario, but just nothing I was thinking about. Uh, there's another story of a guy in, in Georgia, and I think it was South Georgia, uh, last month or, or a few weeks ago, who was attacked by a coyote. Uh, avid outdoorsman was going for a, a hike on a, on a trail. I was meeting a friend to go there and got there early. The friend wasn't there yet, so he just walked a short distance down the trail and then turned around to walk back to the to the car area to meet his friend or wait on his friend, and there was a coyote that had come out across the trail. 
and you know I've seen a number of coyotes in my day but they're not easy to see you know they're they're very stealthy they're normally nocturnal uh, you just don't see them very often and um, if they see you they're pretty much going to hightail out of there and this guy was you know switched on enough to know all that and this coyote did none of the above uh, he was clapping and, and jumping up and down and didn't move so he ended up trying to go go around it uh the story says giving it a wide berth i don't know what that means if it's if that was 10 feet or uh, 100 yards but it ends up coming at him uh, strikes him on the ankle he was wearing boots but that knocked him off his feet and then it struck again a little bit higher and hit his leg uh, breaking the skin and he was able to pin it to the ground with his legs they're they're actually not that big uh, pinned it to the ground with his legs. He was carrying a, a folding knife, looked like a, like a bitch mate or similar, and uh, you know attacked it from from the top between the shoulder blades and ended up killing it. Uh, so come to find out, the thing had rabies. So the guy, I mean, he was he was starting rabies shots anyway because it takes a while to find out to get the lab results back if it actually had rabies, and that's too late. So he'd already started the rabies cycle, but once it um, the the uh, blood work came back and they found that it did in fact have rabies which is why I was acting unusual like that and I guess there's been a few instances of that in the Georgia area recently in the last year a couple years uh, so again just another you know another reason to have a gun I mean you're not gonna you're not gonna whip it out and blast a coyote for the hell of it and walking down a trail but you know if you're trying to get a trying to get around and not harassing and not causing problems and coming at you you're certainly within the the right to defend yourself there as well and then one last story is kind of scary for me not really a firearm story but there was uh, in the tampa area it was hillsborough county florida which is encompasses tampa i'm not sure if it was, it was actually in tampa or not uh but there was a couple of girls teenagers in a mall and they ended up being stalked by this couple a young young guys a couple they were young young couple in their 20s and you know following back to their house uh, tried to jump them, tried to take their car, they tried to drive off, and they actually fired rounds at them. The, the aggressors fired rounds at the teens, uh, hitting the strike in the car, uh, fortunately not, not wounding them or not hurting them. And last I heard, they never caught the people, but it's all on video. It's all on the surveillance video at the mall. I guess maybe one of the teens had, had flashed some cash to a friend or they were buying something, and these people apparently had seen that they had cash and followed around the mall for a long time uh, until they left and ended up following them in their vehicle uh, back to the residence where they or the neighborhood uh, where they lived so you know these are teenagers it's not their you don't want them to have to worry about looking for stalkers and situation awareness and all that stuff but you know it could apply to anybody and certainly a scary scenario for me with a one and a half year old girl now it's who knows what things are going to be like in, in 10 or 15 years. But, you know, I guess try to educate them without scaring them type of thing maybe is the is the lesson here. Uh, just some things to think about in your concealed carry and daily preparedness scenarios. It's not always a, not always a person, but sometimes maybe it is. Uh, the shooting question I was going to hit on this episode, a guy asked on Facebook about shooting different divisions in uh, competition so he was uh, particularly he was talking about open and limited but 
you know, this could be anything. Production and single stack, carry optics and revolver, whatever. Uh, or more, you know, more than two. And uh, does that help or hurt progression? What do you recommend? Uh, Etc. So it's, I've talked about this a little bit before, um, but I'll cover it some now. So I, I, you know, for example, of my week, I, I shoot a lot of stuff. You know, I shoot for a living and I teach for a living. And I always try and be, as best I can to match whatever my, sh- my student is shooting for the class. So we're running similar gear and similar techniques and similar triggers and, and that type of stuff. But the techniques do change a little bit between a, a Glock 17 and a $6,000 open gun. Um, so this week, Monday, today's, uh, what is it, Friday, Monday, Monday at a tactical carbine class. Uh, it's a different rifle than I use for three gun, shorty rifle with the light and all the cool whiz bang stuff. Uh, Tuesday at a uh, open division class, uh, USPSA open guns. Wednesday was a tactical pistol class. Thursday I didn't shoot. I was building stages for this weekend's match. Uh, and then today I had to zero my open gun because I'm going to match on Sunday. I had to check zero on my, my three gun pistol because I changed the grip on it and check zero on my rifle for three gun tomorrow. Uh, and then tomorrow I'm shooting three gun in the morning and then the afternoon will be the defensive pistol league match. So I'll shoot the, the SIG 365 for that. Sunday I'll be shooting open division at a uh, it's called the Doc Welt it's a charity match over in Clearwater, Florida this probably won't air by the time that match is over Uh, that's open division and then next Monday I've got a long class with a government contract uh, which will be tactical pistol carving so you know I shoot a lot of stuff so take all that for what it's worth Uh, to answer the question uh, I would ask I would ask the question is what is your goal Probably this guy's probably not going to be a professional shooter in his career, which is cool. Um, so if it's your if it's your hobby, you know it's your free time, it's your free money. Uh, I would say shoot whatever the heck you want that makes you happy. You want to shoot carry optics today and revolver tomorrow and three gun the next day, go for it, man. You know have fun. The shooting sports are are awesome sports. Uh, regardless of whatever you're shooting, you're going to progress. Um, one skill set does transfer over to the other skill set. So that's that's goal number one. You know, if, if that's your goal, because you enjoy shooting different stuff and you want to go out and shoot different stuff, then by all means, go shoot different stuff. Uh, if, however, your goal is to get significantly better, then I don't recommend doing that. I, I, I do think it hurts your progress if you're bouncing around, uh, especially between platforms uh, in terms of progressing. You're going to learn a lot more if you stay with the same gun, the same platform, and just put time in, put dry fire in, uh, put live fire in, get match experience, all on the same platform, you're going to progress much faster. Now, you know, if you're running a, a Glock for production and a Glock for carry optics, that's eh, not quite so bad. You know, now you can you can go dot to iron sights. That's not the end of the world, but it's still not going to be as good in terms of your progression uh, as in staying with one gun and one platform and and when I say one gun I mean one gun you know stay with the exact same gun uh, as much as you can you may have heard me in the past talk about how uh, open sight and when we say open sight we mean um, a uh, electronic dot uh, how how shooting open or a dot sight will help your iron sighted shooting and I I still think that's the case I agree 1000% with that 
So if you want to if, if you want to be a, a better limited shooter, for example, uh, or production shooter, I think shooting a dot assists in that. So open division to, to work on limited or carry optics division to work on production. But that's not borrow your buddy's open gun on Tuesday, you know, dry fire on Friday, practice on Saturday, shoot a match on Sunday, and then give it back to him and go back to limited. That's that's not the way it works. You need to you need to dedicate some time to that new platform. And I think, you know, six months minimum, if if not as much as a year. So it's not something you're gonna bounce around in a day or a week or even a month, in my opinion. I think you need significant time behind that platform. And you'll learn the biggest thing, take open open and limited, for example, because that's what I'm most familiar with. You know, the biggest thing you're going to get out of that is the performance of the gun uh, and, the, and the, the way the gun reacts is very, very, very similar. The problem with an iron-sided gun is you don't have the precision sighting device, like a dot, to see what the hell is going on. So when you're transitioning into a target, when you do that with a dot, you see how much that gun is actually moving around while you're trying to break the shot. Where with an iron-sighted gun, because you don't have the precision, it doesn't appear like it's moving around that much. But it is, trust me. Uh, but that, that kind of frees you up to go ahead and pull the trigger because you're like, eh, shit, this is good as it's going to get. Might as well pull the trigger. And then when you run with a dot... Uh, you you actually it actually slows me down for a while until I'm comfortable behind the dot uh, because it appears like it's moving around so much when in reality it's not. I mean if you really analyze uh, where and how far the dot is actually moving, it's probably not even leaving the A zone and definitely not leaving the C zone, which is fine. You know, pull the damn trigger. Uh, so things like that, the the recoil control, uh, how the gun returns, the the bounce when it returns. You're going to see things like that a lot more precisely uh, with a dot gun. Uh, Seeing the dot lift, calling your shots. I know everybody on the internet calls their shots great, but I run matches for a living and I assure you they don't. But you'll see that much more precisely, whether that dot's lifting off the brown of the target or the green of the grass or the the white of the steel or the, the, the brown of the dirt behind it. You'll see things like that much more precisely uh, that you just don't see as well with iron sights. Uh, oftentimes, because you're not looking at the sight, is part of the problem. But regardless, uh, so it takes it takes a while to get comfortable behind that platform, get comfortable what that dot's looking like, uh, get comfortable to seeing it lift off the target, and then when you switch back to the iron sights after six months or a year, um, you're going to be much faster. You're going to be much more accurate. Uh, you're going to have a much better feeling for how that gun is performing, how the sights are returning how the sights are coming into target off a transition uh, and things like that. So, hope that answers your question. That's all I got for this episode. Be sure and uh, I've got a uh, maybe another half dozen questions I got to get to, but be sure and hit me up on on the avenues, things you want me to talk about. Uh, like I mentioned, I have that that uh, Dockwell match over in Clearwater on Sunday. Those guys put on a fantastic match. Great group of friends of mine. My my old home range from back in the day, so I'll be sure and have a report on on that match when it's over. Uh, I've just picked up the open gun again after a little break, after the world shoot, and uh, getting geared up for that. So Ipsic Nationals are coming up here in a month, or quicker than that, and uh, I'll be shooting open. Uh, so we're going to see. I'll, maybe I'll have a report on this. One of the things I'm thinking, I haven't had this long of a break from the open gun 
in a long time. I, I was hitting it so hard and training up for the world shoot, which was in September. And I uh, haven't really touched it since. Maybe maybe two or three classes I've pulled it out in, uh, what is that, five months, six months, seven months. So I'm interested to see how that uh, affects performance. I mean, I'll get... I'll get a um, you know ten or ten or so days of practice in before, so and I, pra- I shot a little today and it shot great, um, seeing the dot really well, accuracy was really well, probably a little off the pace, but accuracy was good. So I'm interested to see what taking a little break and, and getting back on it's going to do. So I'll have a have a report on that as well. Hope everybody's having a good summer, and I'll see you on the range.